You are live with Emily and Davis in three, two. You forgot one. Ugh. Oh my god, I love it so much. I thought I loved Reputation. I thought I was into Angie Taylor Swift because I thought that was my personality and that fit. But I don't know. I love Lover. Maybe at that time in your life where you were Reputation Taylor Swift is well, what you needed, and now you have. A- you have grown, you have matured, and now you need a new tailor. Maybe. And well, and she still has some of the edginess and the badassness. So um I well, I mean, I love this album without me. I could do without me, but like I understand why she did that and she put that on there and like whatever, but I did not think I was gonna love this album. I fucking love this album. Okay, but has there been a Taylor Swift album recently that you did not love? I loved half of Red. So everybody thinks that's her lyrical masterpiece and it has great lyrics. But I loved probably about half of it. There were songs on there that I just didn't think were up to par. And so I like, and I'm going to get, this is blasphemy in Swifty land. Yeah, we're um, about to get blown up by the Swift <laughs> fans. And Taylor Swift may descend from on high to come punish us. Um, but it just, there were songs on there that I just, I didn't, I didn't think we needed. But this, outside of me, I love everything. So we'll probably go ahead and introduce ourselves now. I'm Davis. I'm Emily. This is On Life with Davis and Emily, or Emily and Davis. On Life with Emily and Davis. Davis. We have not recorded in a month. It's been a long time. Not because we haven't seen each other. We just haven't had time to record. No, because we were too busy going to music festivals and music listening festivals. to The Main. Well, and then after, by the way, if you've never seen The Main in concert, go see The Main in concert. I'm so mad. They're coming to Boston and I have class. I think I'm that so sounds mad. like a good reason to skip class. <laughs> we'll see. It's on a Tuesday. But I want to see them so bad because it's like their whole, this tour that they're doing is like their whole catalog pulling in things from like however many albums that they have done, mm-hmm. I just, I want to see it so bad. I even thought, like, I mapped, like, going to New Jersey or D.C. or Pennsylvania because they're, like, there the weekend before to see how I could, like, go see them in concert. Well, speaking of moving to Boston, that's happening. <laughs> it is, and we can finally talk about it. Yeah. Because everybody knows. And, you know, I think... In a way, this is the universe was was making us bide our time to do this episode. Right. Because now that this is the week where it's actually happening, this is the best week to talk about taking risks. Oh my gosh, it is. Because moving to Boston is such a huge fucking risk. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited for it. So this will probably be an Emily-heavy episode, because I'm just going to sit here and ask her ask her questions. <laughs> okay, I did not know but, that. Yeah, I, I may throw this back at you, but... but. You're, you're the one who's actually taking the risk. You're the one... If we're going to talk about this topic, it's yeah. better to have someone who's actually doing it. Who better than the two of us right now than the one who's going through it? Yeah. Okay, that's fair. That is fair. But then we'll turn this around and we'll do a Taking Risks Part 2 when you decide you're moving across the country to open a bar with me. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that is our life goal, is to open a bar together. Yes. And we have, like, planned it out. We're coming up with names. We have so many ideas. 
I think we even did almost settle one name the other day. Anyway, that that's, we did, that's but for, that's not yeah. for public consumption. No. no. <clears throat> All right. So, first off, why don't we just? What made you decide to move to Boston? When was the decision made? <laughs> the actual decision, and but before that, when did you form the general idea? I have wanted to live in Boston my entire life. You know how people talk about moving to New York City or LA and like that's their end goal, that's their dream, that's where they want to go. Boston has always been my New York City. And I thought for a while like I could get on board with the whole New York City thing and I was like, no, I no, Boston is where my heart is. And I think for me, it's a couple of things. As a kid, it was the history. I'm such a geek. Um, that it was like the history that New England itself has for America, for, you know, my roots. Um, I found out in like 2016 that one of my distant ancestors was like fought in the American Revolution. So technically I can join the Daughters of the American Revolution kind of thing. Because um, we have all the documentation. I haven't done it, but... Maybe. It may be coming. I'm pretty sure around that time, the hair stems are still horse thieves in Ireland. <laughs> That's okay. Well, most of, most of my family wasn't. Um, because my family is from Germany and Hungary and England. Um, but for the most part, like, they were all, they were all immigrants except for like this branch of my family. So I'm excited to like learn more about that, but I totally went off topic. <laughs> um, but so for me, it's it's a little girl, it's a history, it's like just so many cool things happen. There's Salem witch trials, you know, I love some witchcraft. Uh, but then I, there was a movie, it was like an ABC family movie or something, and it was a Christmas movie. It was called, like, Christmas in Boston. So it was about, like, a journalist who had met a guy online. And he was, like, I think he went to a, he worked on a toy company. So it's kind of like Meg Ryan, um, You've Got Mail-esque vibes. But it was based in Boston. And I was, like, I want, because I wanted to be a journalist. And I was, like, I want to do that. I want to do that in Boston. I'm not a journalist, but... The feeling of wanting to go to Boston and wanting to live there and do things, like, that stayed with me. So, that was kind of the initial mm -hmm. generic decision. What finally made the actual this is happening decision? I, um, I was ready for a change. But I, so, for a long time, um, I, so I'm in public relations because we all know that that's my day job still going to be my day job in Boston, but I love publishing, love book publishing, I love digital publishing, I love writing words, reading words, um, I love that whole thing, and one of the hubs for that is in Boston. So I had toyed um, with, you know, I was like, oh, I want to go to undergrad in Boston for like a hot minute, I was like, okay, that might that's something to consider at 16 when I'm dreaming and have no idea what those financial implications are um, and what it actually means to move across country. 
And um, so I looked at Emerson College for their journalism program at communication school because I knew in undergrad I wanted to go into communications of some sort. Um, and so Emerson is known for that. So I looked at it, rolled it out, forgot about it. Life happened, all of these things. <laughs> Ended up going to Lubbock, which I did. for those of you not familiar with Texas, is not the Boston of Texas. No, yeah. it is, it is not, but that's, that's a story for another day. Um, and then I was looking at grad school programs and I was like, when I was graduating college and I was like, okay, well, they have like an integrated marketing program. I could potentially do that. And then I realized like, whoa, I need to chill. I need to take a break. I need to go get some real world experience. Um, and then I was working and I think it was in 2018, maybe. Um, I was like, no, I'm ready. Like, I want to go to grad school. I know that. I don't know what I want to do. I was like Googling publishing programs because I knew I wanted to figure out how I could get from PR to publishing. And Emerson popped up again in Boston. And they have a publishing and writing master's program. But on top of that, they had a digital content management certificate program that fed into that. And that was online. So I did the first half of that program online. And then I was like, no, I just need to go there. I need to be there. I need to finish this. I've always wanted to do this. Now's the time to do it. I applied, was accepted, got in, um, made the commitment. And I was like, I'm doing it, guys. I'm going. And Davis over here the whole time is like, no, no, no. My best friend is moving to, to Boston. Let me clarify. It was no, don't go. <laughs> It was a, well, shit, what am I going to do with my social life now? I feel like I was supportive the entire time. You were, you were very supportive. And then you were like, but my best friend's leaving. This exactly. is not good for me. Exactly. But I've made my peace with it. So you have. Fine. Although I feel like you've kind of been avoiding this whole thing as we're moving toward it. Like, you know it's coming and you just won't talk about it. I think that's one of the reasons that I can't keep the date right in my head why well, I can never remember exactly when you're leaving because I don't want to remember no you don't you don't you're, you're like blocking it out yeah yeah supporting me the whole time being like the best friend a girl could have and like cheering me on and saying yes go for it and like talking me off the ledge and like no you really need to do this I'm gonna kick your ass if you don't go yeah Wednesday's gonna be a bad day for me <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're not about to spend four cars, uh, four days in a car with your parents and your cat. I mean, that's why it's going to be a bad day for me, not a terrible day. <laughs> so, how are you feeling right now? Now that, for, for lack of a better term, now that you're staring down the barrel of it, how are you feeling? I am so excited. And um, for the first time ever, like, I'm not anxious about doing this. I think I'm anxious in the getting there and what, what it's going to take and all of, like, that. Because I've got a running to-do list of things that I need to check off. But I am so, so excited for the first time in my life. I'm not sitting here going, well, what the fuck am I doing and why am I doing this? And, like, trying to backtrack. I'm, like, going full steam ahead. And for me, that's saying something. Was there ever a point in the buildup to all of this that you did feel scared, that you did feel an overwhelming sense of anxiousness? Um, I think when I was trying to make the decision and then my employer offered me like a telecommuting option, which I turned down because I got a better job. Sorry. I paid more money. 
and he had offered me a promotion. Um, sorry, not sorry about it. All about the Benjamins. <laughs> well, in Boston, yes. Um, and I, so I think in keeping it a secret, that was tearing me apart and causing a lot of anxiety. I like, I mean, I'm just an open and honest person and I like, I don't like secrets. I can't keep them. Um, I don't try to keep them. Like I, I like want to share that because I felt like I was hiding this major decision and this major part of my life and that was giving me anxiety. And then I was like, well, when I couldn't find a room, roommate, or when I couldn't find an apartment, or I didn't know how I was going to pay for it, I couldn't find a job, I was like, Am I, is this the universe telling me not to go? And no, it was not the universe telling me not to go. It was the universe, like, slowing me down to get me to a place where, like, I was saying yes to the things that I should have been saying yes to, not saying yes just because this was the first thing that was offered to me. Um, and so it ended up being like a better, hopefully a better situation, but it was like a better learning experience too. But um, so, I mean, yeah, there was anxiety, but then I think to me, I was anxious because I was leaving where I was comfortable and that I knew I needed to leave because I wasn't happy doing what I was doing and in the location that I was in. Um, and it, so it got down to the point was like, well, I could say no to this, but I don't want to say no because I think I'm going to regret it more if I say no and stay in my little bubble than if I like go out there and I fail and like I could fail, not going to fail. Like this is me and I won't let myself fail, um, like in that massive way, but knowing that I can always come back, like there's like, there's always things that I can fall back on, you know? Um, so then it's. So then I was like, no, I like, I'm going to regret this more if I don't do it. So I was like, screw it. Like I'm diving in, like I'm all in. But I think the one thing to me that leaves me a little bit more anxious is leaving my friends. Cause those are my, that's my support system. And then I'm going to a place where I don't know anybody. And as much as I want to, I know sometimes I can get in the place and I can get in my head and I can shut myself off from things. And I don't think that's going to happen this time because I've got the tools. I've gotten, gone through the therapy. You're not going to let this that happen, even though I'm from, like, I'm across the country from you. Um, but it was losing the comfort of having friends in the area, going out, doing things. And it's not that I haven't moved before. But it's just, it's always hard to meet new people and make those friends and see if they're going to accept you for who you are and feeling like you can't be yourself. That's what gives me more anxiety than anything. Earlier, you were talking about some of the doubts that would come up, you know, not being mm -hmm. able to find a, a yeah. roommate uh, immediately or find a job immediately. But then you talked about taking a step back kind of reflecting on things and slowing mm -hmm. down and realizing it doesn't need to happen right now. And I, I think we, we missed a step there. What, <laughs> what did you have to do to take that step back to recognize those doubts and recognize them as simply legitimate fears, legitimate concerns, but concerns that could be overcome and were not issues to derail the entire operation? I sat in my therapist's office and I cried. So once again, 
I, I'm not joking. That is that is literally what I did. Um, and we we talked it out. And then I actually talked to my mom, and she was good about like talking me off the anxious edge. And she was like, you know, no, it's just we're slowing down. You know, things have to feel right, and they weren't feeling right. And um, this person you were going to room with probably wasn't get, like. She was going to flake. She wasn't going to have the money. You were going to be stressing more about that. You don't want to enter into an agreement like that. You, um, It's going to take you 45 minutes to get to school at the apartments that you were looking at. And they kind of felt sketchy and you were not in a good good space. And um, working with a job, you're not sure what you want to do, but maybe this was going to be too much for you or it was going to be too many politics or you weren't quite there yet like there was something there that was saying okay no hold on wait and then I ended up getting a job where I was still doing what I'm doing in my day job which is closer to ideally what I think I want to do long term anyway is merging what I'm doing now with publishing in that world and you know I haven't quite figured out how to do that I have two years to figure that out but then you have you're keeping your ties to that industry and you're keeping those skills and they're willing to work with your schedule and they're paying you and they, they've got good benefits and you've got PTO and vacation and like all of these things that you may, I may not have had if I had gone anywhere else and I'm working for a company where these people are excited about the company and the work that they'll be doing in a way that maybe some of the other jobs I had interviewed for weren't. And um, the timing worked out better with this one. So I can start school and then I start my job and then I get paid and I was able to not leave my my former job in as much of a lurch, was able to give them a head start, a heads up, you know, so they could start formulating and we could start onboarding and transitioning and things like that in a way that we um, that was better for everyone and better for me. So it felt like I wasn't like just up and leaving and saying, peace, bye. I don't, I don't care about y'all. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in my brain. <laughs> but it seems like one of the things that you, you've done to combat the constant motion in your brain is you step back, you talk to people and you just, you, you buy your time yeah. with things. And honestly, this is the first time I've ever done something like that. And I've like stepped back and I've not freaked out and I've not let the anxiety take control. And so for me, like that's a win, but that's also telling me I'm doing what I need to be doing. And this is the right time to be doing what I'm doing because like I'm at peace with the decisions that I'm making. And I have faith that it's all going to work out. And faith for me is hard to come by. So when you say you're at peace with the decisions that you're making, is that a 100% peace? Or are there still, are, are there still lingering doubts, lingering um, anxieties in the back of your mind? Um, I think the only thing that's lingering in my mind at the moment is whether or not I should be taking my car. Because um, it's expensive. <laughs> but I don't know how I'm going to get my cat there. I'm changing my entire world. I'm used to having a car. Um, and so, like, and I, like, I own that car. That's my car. I tripped it out. Like, I bought it. I paid for everything on it. I paid for maintenance, upkeep, like, all of it. That is my baby next to my cat. 
and the cat, of course, is coming with me. Um, so it's it's that, but it's also knowing that I can always sell it if it works out. And then I'm like changing my world, but I'm not changing it too fast. And it's giving me time to do that. So it's figuring out where to park because I suck at parallel parking and that's all I'm going to be doing. And so it's figuring that out. And then I think the other anxiety is, is like, am I being selfish for taking my cat and traumatizing my cat for four days in a car and then not letting him go outside anymore because he's going to be in a city in Boston? So he's only going to have so much room. And so like he has to be like fully indoors now. So I'm worried I'm going to traumatize the cat and the cat's no longer going to like me. <laughs> I think the cat and, should be. And the cat is my like emotional support animal. <laughs> Once again, fair. <laughs> I only ask that question because I think sometimes as a society, we, we refuse to take risks because we're not 100% at peace with what's going on. And well, I used to be, I used to be that way. I have talked myself out of so many things that would have taken, been a risk in putting myself out there um, that it is crazy. And I've regretted all of them and I wish I could go back and do that over. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I feel like sometimes we don't take risks yeah. because we're not... 100% on board with even our own decisions. And I think mm -hmm. that can be a real uh, impetus to growth and maturity because I don't think, depending on the risk, I don't think we need to be completely 100% at peace with it. You're you're never going to be, I, I think, 100% at peace with that, but I hear what you're saying and I'm going to raise you a point. And is it that you are not confident in your own decisions or everybody else in your circle is putting those doubts into your brain? I mean, I think it can be either way. I, I don't think it's necessarily one or the other, but I also don't think it's always both at the same time. Uh, I think we hold ourselves back and I think through fear and I think yeah. sometimes the people around us hold us back through fear. Yeah, um, I will say with me, um, it's, I, there's been so many times in my life where I've looked back and I go, I knew this was a bad decision. I listened to the other people around me and I shouldn't have because my on whole that dating note, <laughs> on that note, I, um, you know yourself better than anybody else around you and anybody who's giving you advice Except for maybe, like, your innermost circle should be the ones that, like, support you, call you out, um, but, like, let you go and live your life. And a lot of times people, whether, where they think you have the best, in their be your best interest at heart, they are looking at it through the rose-colored glasses of their lives or their jealousy or they see you wanting to spread your wings and they want to talk you down and they want to put you down because it makes them feel better because... They didn't get to take chase their dreams because they didn't let themselves for an extenuating circumstance don't let themselves chase their dream. And that, I think for me, has been more what I've had to deal with because I'm such a people pleaser. Um, I feel like when people tell me not to do something that I'm letting them down or that they think they, they know me and that I shouldn't maybe trust myself. And the difference this time is I'm trusting myself and this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it regardless of what the people in my life say. So they need to get 
on board or support this. This has been my dream for forever. So has anyone accused you of that mindset being selfish? No, um, but I can, I can see how certain people might, <laughs> but um, it's not. That's no. the point I'm trying to get at. Yeah, it's no, and I think that we need to redefine the term selfish. I, I look at this, I'm 25, I'm not tied down, I'm not in a relationship, so I don't have to worry about the other person. Like, at this point, it is okay to be 100% selfish because now's the time to do it because I don't have to worry about kids or significant others, or anything, like, I'm doing this for me, knowing that whatever I do here will get me to a place where I can be open to relationships and things like that, but it's, like, you're in your 20s, you should be, like, now's the time to be selfish, um, to do what you want to do, to take the risks that you want to take without having to worry about anything else, because really, at this point in your life, you're only responsible for yourself, and in my case, I'm also responsible for a cat. <laughs> See, but I wouldn't. I don't think we should necessarily limit limit it to people in their twenties. If you if you're sixty and you have no real responsibility, <laughs> if you're single or don't have kids or both, then there's nothing wrong. If you're sixty and and that's you yeah. should be free to be a little selfish too every now and again. Well, and I'm gonna raise that too, um, because I think we forget that the kids, like even parents, people married, people with kids, think there's this stigma and there's this talk track and um, like it, thing, things that are imposed upon us, beliefs that are imposed upon us, that um, when you have children, and you are married, you should back it. Like you should know, like all of your time and devotion needs to go to other people and not yourself, but you can't give yourself to other people successfully and in a healthy way unless you are taking care of yourself. So sometimes that means going back to boundaries and things like that. Sometimes that means that you have to take that step and go, no, I'm going on this trip. I'm going with my girlfriends. I need this time for me. So that I can be the best I can be for both myself and all of the people around me. I can get behind that, but that sounds like either an episode we've already done or an episode we plan on doing. I don't remember. I don't remember. It's been a long time for us too, guys. It has, and we're sorry. You guys wouldn't know because we keep issuing... Um, in episodes because we had such a backlog, but we're trying to make it as steady as possible. We are. Well, and now we're gonna have to because we're gonna schedule weekly times for us to do this we're gonna so have that to. we stay in contact and also I can pencil it into my life and you can pencil it into yours. Well, not pencil it in because this cannot be erased, but it also forces us to stay in contact more than normal. So We've talked a lot about what what you're feeling and what you're thinking with all of this. What advice would you give to someone else? Not necessarily someone who's moving across the country. (laughs) Someone someone who is considering making a big risk or a big life change, whether it's moving or uh, moving jobs or proposing to someone. Someone who is just on the verge of taking a big risk and changing their whole life. I think that if you think it's going to make you happy, then go for it. Like, your happiness is what matters. And I know we've done an episode on happiness. (laughs) 
It was um, actually in the room next door. <laughs> it was. Um, I mean, so I think it's something that, if it's something that you want, if it's something that your soul is telling you this, like every fiber of your being is like, I need to do this, you vibrate with excitement. Like, I think you, you do it. Um, but I'm also saying, like, I'm not saying you just jump in with no plan because you, I, you have to have a plan to talk it out, figure out, like, all of the logistical steps in a way that you know that this is going to happen. So if you're going to propose to somebody, like, make sure that you're in a relationship with them first. Don't just propose to the, to the celebrity on the street, although, hey... You she's, guys can propose to me. She's cracking joke. Are we celebrities yet? I started making a statement, and then I realized, well, they were celebrities yet. Anyway. <laughs> no, I'm saying the celebrities can propose to me. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, that's a lot less arrogant than I thought we went. <laughs> I mean, it's like you don't know me at all. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's like, you know, have a plan. But also know that that plan is going to change. So it's big ideas. And sometimes for me, I get so caught up and overwhelmed in all of the details that I um, forget about the big picture. And for this, I kind of looked at the big picture and trusted that all the details were going to fall in place. And I mean, I still did all of the work. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's, I mean there's a certain level of faith and trust that you have to have in yourself and the universe and the other people around you to get you to that point and like to make you feel comfortable doing it. But also, I mean, and I always say it all the time, I sat on my therapist's couch and planned this for two years and everything that I did, all of the self-work that I did got me to a point where I could be okay doing what I'm about to do. So like I did the work on myself to get there. And I think that's something that you have to have the self-awareness and you have to know what your triggers are and you have to understand some of the pitfalls and how you're going to react to that and then practice stepping out of those situations um, in order to get into that, like to take that risk. But I mean, don't be afraid to dream big because I think sometimes the greatest risks have the greatest rewards. But also don't be afraid to fail because there's, I mean, there's a chance that you're going to get the no for that proposal or you're going to get there. You're not going to like it. Give it more than a year if you're moving across the country um, or you're trying to figure out finances or things and like everything is temporary when it comes to things like that. So know that if it's not working out, you can say no and you can, and it doesn't make you any less of a person to say, hey, this isn't working for me, and I need to take a step back and figure out what I really want. You said something a minute ago that, to use a, a phrase of yours, I'd like to unpack. <laughs> unpack this. Oh, no. What did I say? You were talking about looking at the big picture instead yes. of trying to focus on the small details looking mm -hmm. at the big picture. Do you think that one of the reasons that so many people choose not to take risks is that they don't think what this change will do in the in the grand scheme of things, but instead focus on how little decisions are falling through the cracks or not being made how they expected them to be made. Uh, again, instead of focusing on the bigger picture. Um, I think that that's 
something. I think it's more that people get overwhelmed by all of those details and then feel guilty that things are slipping through the cracks. And to that, I say like, that's something that you yourself will need to unpack. Um, Cause I mean, I can't tell you why you're doing what you're doing or that is that, that way. Or, you know, it could be that they're thinking too much about the big picture and they are living in a realistic bubble. I think you have to balance the two. But I think a lot of the reason people say no to those risks is in what they really want to do and following their heart is because um, we as a society define success by how much money is in your bank account, how much, um, whether you are the CEO of like a Fortune 500 company and you're on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, which is, there's that's a lot of pressure on 16, 17, 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, because society says that you're only a success if you do X, Y, Z before this date. And that's not true. Um, success looks different for each individual. So you have to define what success means for you. And I think for me, it took a lot of time. Um, I, you know, I worked for the largest and one of the best public relations firm in the world. Um, and I thought that's what I wanted. And I got there and I was like, I don't want, I mean, I appreciate working for the best. Like, that's great. But that is not, I want like a work-life balance. I want to be happy in what I'm doing. I want to, um, I want to chase after my dreams. I want to have time to do a podcast and not feel guilty about it. I want to post on my Instagram, like my health journey. I want to have time to read. I want to have time to like go to music festivals and a party with my friends while we're working out to the main, you know, I, there's other things in life that I wanted to do. And I thought, I just, like, my goal for so long had been to be, like, the CEO of this company and in charge of all of these things. And I realized I don't want to be, I don't want to do that. That is not success, what success looks like for me. Because, so for me, success is this well-balanced life where I have friends. I'm happy. I love what I'm doing. I'm, like, sharing words with people. I'm, like, changing a little portion of the world, making it a little bit better and a little bit of a more positive place. Um, and when I realized that I was working for this goal that society told me I wanted versus what I really wanted, and when I made that switch, um, I started saying yes to more risk. But with that, I also... I know we've talked about this before. I have massive anxiety. I've been anxious since I was a little kid. Um, and I sat in therapy and I did the work because I think we have this negative self-talk everybody does. And I've had to rewire my brain and be nice because I live in my head. And it's not always, a, it's a, oftentimes a scary place to be. But I did, I did the work. I figured out what the anxiety was telling me, what other people were telling me and how to manage that and to say, no, I'm not going to let my anxiety keep me from taking this risk anymore because the, my anxiety, where it's a part of me, it does not control me. I control my actions and I will feel better and I will combat the anxiety if I do this and I do this for me and I don't do this in spite of other people. And at what point, 
I mean, we don't want to let anxiety control us. We don't want to let fear control us. We don't want these things to keep us from becoming stronger, more well-rounded people. But how do we know when those anxieties and those fears are actually giving us a well-founded, legitimate reason not to take the risk um, that we're that we're considering? So I guess I guess to phrase it in, in your what would have had to happen? What would you have had to feel or know or think to come to the realization that Boston may not be a good idea? I think it's a gut feeling for me. If I didn't feel at peace with this decision, if I wasn't excited, if I was 20 billion more times terrified, um, then like I would have had to take that and I would have had to realize that wasn't it. Or if I couldn't figure out or wasn't confident in myself enough to know that I'd be able to make that money and I could do these things, um, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But I also know, like, it's, it's a feeling for me. So I, I know, like, it's that feeling, like, you know, when you're being followed, um, that kind of anxiety, that's a little bit different than my anxiety telling me that maybe I'm just better in my bed in a little corner um, where I'm not disturbing anyone. It's a different kind of feeling. So that feeling of danger from somebody following you or somebody trying to climb into your car, which totally had that happen before. I actually remember that story. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was a great one to tell my parents. Um, so it's it's that fear versus. Um, and like that feeling of like danger and like stay away, stay away. I didn't get that when I went to Boston. Um, I got that way when I thought about thinking about New York and if I wanted to live there, it wasn't like, it just wasn't a right vibe. It wasn't a right fit for me. Um, and then I think what cemented that decision, cause I knew like, this is a two year program. I can live anywhere for two years. Um, but what cemented it for me was how supportive my friends were about it, the ones that really knew me and the ones that really cared. Um, but also going and visiting Boston, I like was there and I have swear to God, I have never been more at peace in my life. And I came back and I was so zen and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what it feels like. So it was, it was, it's a feeling and I don't know, I think it's different for everybody. Um. But I also know I'm really good at taking responsible risks. Well, I used to, I called it, um, dogging my mom growing up, like, I rebel responsibly. <laughs> um, and so it's working on that and also trusting in my therapist and things like that to where they really thought this was a bad idea or this was not my best interest. Like, my therapist was going to tell me this was in my best, not in my best you know what I mean? So I don't know if there's a way to really know that, especially for an anxious person. Um, but it's doing that work and it's like separating yourself from those emotions in a sense. So you can figure out what's actually going on in your head and why you're doing that, like quieting the noise in your brain. I'd like to point out too that something you said earlier, uh, you said if there had been 20 billion more times the fear. I think that was yeah. exactly the number that you said. <laughs> I think that's interesting because it wasn't it wasn't if there's a little bit of fear or if there's like five times the fear. It had to be a lot more fear. Yeah. So I, I think that that was an interesting statement because it reminds us that 
even though you're not afraid of, of the change that's coming. And that's, that's not true. It's not that I'm not afraid. I, I'm just knowing that it's a fear that I can, like, manage. That's what I've been trying to get you to say yeah. this entire time. Oh. <laughs> I just didn't want to put words in your mouth. I can manage that fear. I, I mean, I, have, I tattooed fearless to my body at 19 years old. Um, and Taylor Swift has a quote. Let me find it. So that's kind of how I define um, fearlessness. Well, as she pulls up this one, uh, one of my favorites is John Wayne's quote on courage. And he always said that courage is not the absence of fear, but being afraid and saddling up anyway. And I think that's something that we really need to emphasize. Being, being a courageous person, taking risks, changing your life, doesn't need to be done without fear. Fear is a natural primal emotion that we are always going to feel it's it's how we deal with that fear and what we let that fear make us do that truly defines us yeah okay so i'm not going to read all of this but taylor in her fearless album in her liner notes which said like 2000 2009 um it says this album is called fearless and i guess i'd like to clarify why we chose that as the title to me fearless is not the absence of fear it's not being completely unafraid. To me, fearless is having fears. Fearless is having doubts, lots of them. To me, fearless is living in spite of those things that scare you to death. Fearless is falling madly in love again, even though you've been hurt before. Letting go is fearless. She keeps going, um, so I skipped over a lot of it. Then moving on and being all right, that's fearless too. But no matter what love throws at you, you have to believe in it. You have to believe in love stories and all of these things. That's why she writes these songs, because she thinks love is fearless. Um, and so for me, it was really like the, the beginning part of that. That's what defines fearless for me. Um, but to, to circle back, she says, like, thinking that love is fearless. I'm doing this because I love myself. And I and that's taken me such a long time to, to do. And, like, you have doubts, all of these things. But I had to do a lot of work to get to where a point where I was like, you know, I love me, and I'm doing this for me, and that's what makes it. And as uh, so many things in life, as long as it's balanced with all the other responsibilities and people mm -hmm. in your life, there's nothing wrong with doing what you what will make you the happiest you can be. Yeah. And fortunately, you and I are in places in our lives where the responsibilities and the and the other people can take a major backseat because it's just. That's where we are. Well, and I think for me, too, because um, I talk about, like, friendships and things like that, and I'm feeling that responsibility. The people in my life that want to stay in my life, I will work to keep those relationships going. They will also work twice as hard to keep those going, exactly. too. I mean, look at, we've been friends 10 years. We've gotten old. Uh, hi, thanks. I'm older than you. <laughs> By six months. Um... But, I mean, how many of those years have we actually lived in the same place? Not many. And, like, at, we can do it. At the absolute most half. So, as we come to the end of this episode. Yeah. 
And as this will be the last episode, Emily and I record in the same room. Oh my god, we gotta figure out how to do this long distance. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I've already got a couple ideas. Is there Great. anything else that you want people to know about how you're feeling? Uh, what you want them to know about making these changes? Just anything you want to you want people to know who may be in a similar situation. I think if you're on the fence, if this is something your gut is telling you you need to do, I mean, within reason, like, don't go kill somebody, please. <laughs> um, that, that's not what we're advocating at all. <laughs> no, um, I think if in your gut, like, you know, this is something you need to do for you, like, do it. Do it for you. Take that risk um, and know that I'm there cheering you on, being that go, like, go get them person in, in the background encouraging you to do this because I think um one of the things that I kept saying and I'm gonna cry um I hate goodbyes we're not saying goodbye we're not now. saying goodbye um but um I've like got been on this Emily goodbye tour but one of the things when I quit my job which I don't think anybody really thought I was gonna do I think that took a lot of people by surprise um but it was talking to the people who were in the trenches with me every day and as much as they were like sad to see me go they were so proud of me because they knew how much this meant for me and how much i wanted to do this so it's it's like knowing that those people are cheering you on too and that's really your inner circle and the people who love you and care for you um but i was i had to go like i was telling people like one off individually that i was leaving because that's what when you want to control the narrative, um, that's what you do. You tell people like your side of the story and why you're doing what you're doing. But it was one of those things where I was on the phone with someone who was a mentor of mine and she was like, I am so proud of you because you asked for what you wanted. You went out and got what you wanted. And like, I am so inspired and in awe of you in that you were confident enough in yourself to take that risk and to ask for what you deserved. And I really wish that I could have could have done that sooner and like you're inspiring me to do to do that now in my life. And I think the thing that I said, I was like, I'm so touched, like I'm crying because you're telling me I'm inspiring you because you've inspired me. But I said, gotta remember, there was, I didn't go into this and I was not, 100% confident I was making the right decision. What I did have was a group of 20 people, I'm making up a number, an arbitrary number, was a group of people standing on the sidelines saying, no, this is the right decision for you. You asked for what you want. You need to get out. You need to go. I'm so proud of you. So even when I was scared, I was doubting what I whether or not this is the right decision. The people in my circle were not doubting this was the right decision for me. And they pushed me, they kept me on that, that path to get to where I need to go. So I think for me, it's almost as great as taking that risk and doing this for me. It was, holy shit, I found my circle, I found my people. And it's just as important to take that risk and do that for yourself as it is to have those people behind you lifting you up when you're not sure that this is what you're supposed to be doing and them pushing you 
Davis over here saying he's going to kick my ass if I didn't move to Boston. As much as it hurts me to see her go, <laughs> I may start crying. Um, it was like, find those people because those are the people you want in your life forever. So, until next time. I'm Emily. And I'm Davis. And you're listening to On Life with Emily and Davis. Um, please subscribe. Tell us what you want us to talk about. If you like this format, let us know. If you have any guests you want us to have on, let us know. Follow us on Instagram at onlife um, underscore connect. And um, thanks for, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. All right.